From WDET, this is the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers. I am your curator and host, Satori Shakur. I come from a long, long line of storytellers. They're old black women from the South, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and they used to pour stories in my ear. And when they poured them in my ear, I would make pictures in my mind and it looked like a movie. I love the stories. They used them to teach, to warn, to entertain, to scold and to predict. They were so compelling. I, my toes would curl and my eyes would grow big. And we are using stories at the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers to connect, to heal and transform. A stepmother is like, it's like an episode of Mean Girls. <laughs> and you're not, you're not in the clique, you know? <laughs> you're, you're the one everybody's, you know, ganging up on, you know, because you're not, you're coming in late. If you're a stepmom, you're going to love this story. Or if you're in love with a man with children, and I've been in love with many men with children, and I've married two we had the kids with us on the honeymoon. It, w- it was like his week to have the kids. And the, the, the mother, his ex-wife, was like, you should have planned the wedding on the week you didn't have the kids. Our next storyteller of the evening, this is her second appearance here. I love her. She's funny. And she has something very vital to share. Monica R. Scholar is best known for her work as an indie author and storyteller. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Monica Scholar. So it was about four and a half years ago when I was hanging out with my friend for her 40th birthday. And I'm standing at the bar listening to Michael Jackson play overhead, and I'm trying not to break into the full choreography for Thriller, which (laughs) I've been known to do. But I'm so glad I didn't, because this very handsome man came and stood next to me, and he struck up a conversation. So we're talking, and sparks are flying, things are going so well. So we make our plans that night for our very first date, which was for the following Friday. So Friday comes, he picks me up, and we just have a blast from beginning to end. We're just having a great time talking. Our day didn't end until 6 o'clock that morning. We just hung out all night talking, hand to God. By the end of the night, we were talking about when, not if, we would get married and how we would have our honeymoon in the Bahamas. It was just great. He was perfect. Until I learned he was a single father to a five-year-old son. So at this point, I'm kind of feeling like, you know how you're in the store and you see your favorite snack and you're like, ooh, when I get home, I'm gonna tear this snack up. It's gonna be so good. And you get home and turn the bag over and realize you got the fat-free baked version of the snack. <laughs> and it's kind of like, oh, this is not what I thought I was getting. So, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't like kids. It's just that they are of the devil. <laughs> they 
have these nasty little fingers that they wipe their noses with and touch your expensive stuff. They cry, they need stuff. And this was just not conducive to my lifestyle as queen of all bachelorettes. I mean, that's who I was at that time. I'm a writer, so I'm used to being up all times of the night writing. I wake up at one o'clock in the afternoon and have cupcakes and wine for breakfast because I can, because nobody's depending on me to make cocoa puffs for them at six o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, how are these two lifestyles about to mesh? And I couldn't exactly say that to him, because how do you say,、um, I think your kid's a demon, and、um, I'm apparently a terrible person because I have no maternal instinct, but I think you're really cute and funny, so I hope this doesn't affect us. You know, I couldn't exactly say that. So I'm like, this guy's so cute and so nice. I don't want to end things because of this kid. So I'm like, let me just be chill. We'll see how it goes. You know, I won't freak out right now. So we continue to date. Things are going well. And the next thing I know, I'm meeting this five-year-old. And I have to admit, he is freaking adorable. He's got dimples for days, big brown eyes. He comes up to my waist, little pipe cleaner arms. He's adorable. <laughs> But I still had my cross in my back pocket in case his head started spinning around and started spewing green filth from his mouth. I'm like, "You're cute, don't fool me. I already know what kids are all about." But it was going well, so I'm like, "You know, this is great. Things are going well." I look up, and it's about a year into our relationship. I'm in love with this man. He's a wonderful father. He works so hard. He's a great dad to this kid. This kid is so precocious and fun. They both have me laughing. I'm just so happy to be in the mix. He kept. Him and his snotty fingers away from all my expensive stuff. So I'm like, this is working well. You know, we're doing well. Until one day, he's like, Hey, I've got this、um, one-day work trip that I'm going on. So I was wondering what you thought about keeping my son for me. So what I really was thinking was, you have the worst judgment in the world to leave a person in my care. It's a miracle that I take care of myself every day. Um, but what I said was absolutely. You can leave him. I'll take him out for walks. I'll put a food and water dish out for him, which is what you would do for a dog. For some reason, this man still left his child in my care. So I'm like, oh gosh, I cannot let this get the best of me. I'm like, let me just. I'm gonna do this. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a good time. The next thing I know, it's me and little man alone. So I'm like, you know what? Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Let's have a great time. What do you want to do first? So he's like, let's play video games. So I'm like, all right, video games it is. So he settles himself on the sofa. He's got the controller ready. So he's like, all right, we're gonna play Super Mario Brothers. I'm gonna be Mario. You're gonna be Yoshi, and I'm gonna ride on your back, and we're gonna go save the princess. So I'm like, cool, Mario, Yoshi, go save the princess. So for the next 20 or 30 minutes, he proceeds to nearly cuss me out because I don't know what I'm doing. So Yoshi is walking around in circles. I fall off a cliff. I get hit with fireballs. A dinosaur jumps on my head. I we die every few feet. We die a horrible, miserable death. I not only kill Mario and Yoshi, I kill Luigi, Princess Peach, <laughs> Princess Leia. Like everybody dies at my hands. It's just a slaughter. So he is devastated. He just puts his remote down and just goes to the room. So I'm feeling awful, like a terrible person. I'm ruining this kid's life. We're off to a horrible start. But eventually, he comes from his room and he's like, "I'm hungry." So let me tell you a little something about my cooking skill set. As queen of all bachelorettes, I have three go-to recipes in my back pocket. 
And if you want to eat something outside of those three, then I guess you want to order takeout because this is what I have to offer. So this is what you have. So I say to this five-year-old, these are your options. We can do jumbo pasta shells. I'll stuff them with Italian sausage and sun-dried tomatoes, some pasta sauce, mozzarella, Parmesan cheese. I'll bake it in the oven with some Texas toast and asparagus. That sounds good, right? Second option was pancakes and bacon. Not flabby bacon, crispy bacon only. That's what I do. The next option was baked pork chops and brown rice. So I say to him, which of these do you want? So he didn't even have to open his mouth because the look on his face is like, these are the dumbest options I've ever heard in my life. Asparagus doesn't even sound like a real thing. Like, I can't even believe you just said this to me. But what he said instead was, I want a hot dog. So a hot dog wasn't too far outside of my skill set. So I'm like, fine, I'll make you a hot dog. So I hook it up. I toast the bread, ketchup, mustard. I give them some chips and like some random vegetable because from what I hear, you're supposed to give vegetables to kids. <laughs> so I put the plate in front of him and I'm so happy because he cleans his plate. He eats everything. So I'm like, finally, I'm doing something right. So I may have been fishing for a compliment because I'm like, hey, how was your food? And he's like, oh, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as daddy's. So, I mean, I know I'm no Wolfgang Puck, but it was a hot dog. He could have been like, oh, it's wonderful, I love you, you're great. But no, kids really don't care about your feelings, so he just told me the truth. So I had to accept it, and I did. So then a little bit of time goes on, and he's like, I'm bored. So I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, well, can you tell me a story? Of course I can tell you a story. I tell stories for a living, like, this is what I do. So I'm like, you prepare yourself to be entertained. So I'm ready to put on a Broadway production. I'm in full hair, makeup, costume. I am ready for my Oscar, my Tony, everything. So I spin a clever tale about this little boy, the same name and the age as him, who finds this rock in his room. It's a black rock with these glowing green symbols, and he doesn't know what they mean. And it turns out that this rock is a communication device for aliens on another planet. And they gave him the rock because he is the key to saving their planet from the evil forces who want to destroy them. So I'm mid-sentence, acting it all out, and seeing, I'm doing it all, I'm giving face, I'm giving voice. And he stops me and says, oh, I don't want to hear this story, I want to hear an interesting one instead. <laughs> this don't even sound real. So... You know those are fighting words, right? You're telling it to a storyteller. So I'm like, that doesn't sound real to you, but what does sound real is once a year, some big bunny hopping into your house, bringing you a basket full of little plastic eggs and jelly beans and little miniature chocolate versions of him because apparently the Easter Bunny is very vain. That sounds real to you. And what does sound real to you is some big fat man at the end of every year with a red suit on gives magical powers to animals and they fly urgently to you to bring a sack full of toys that your parents get no credit for and he shimmies his big fat butt down the chimney to come and deliver the toys to you and eat some little raggedy cookie that you bake with your little nasty fingers. And why, like why did you even give him cookies? He's already fat. You should have gave him like carrots or like celery or something. I didn't say any of that to him, but in my head, I went in on him in my head. 
so I ended up telling him a story of the three little pigs, but let me tell you, it had an alternate ending, extra characters, like he got a story that night. So a little bit of time passes, we like watch a movie, we hang out for a little bit, and finally it's bedtime. So I am praising the Lord that this boy is still alive, the house is not on fire, he, nothing went wrong, I didn't have to do CPR, the Heimlich, nothing, like we're winning. So I get him in the bathroom, he's brushing his teeth, he's putting his clothes and pajamas on, and um, he's like, can you leave, I need to use the bathroom. And I'm like, have at it, my friend, my plan was to go sneak a swig of wine, not to inebriate myself, just to take the edge off. So. I go off and he's in the bathroom and he's in there for about 10 minutes. So the next thing I know, he screams my name. So I go run into the door. I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> I was pooping and it got stuck in my butt. <laughs> Can you help me get it out? I told you kids were of the devil because what godly being would ask this of another person I can't even believe he just said this to me and he was serious so my first instinct as queen of the bachelorettes was to be like oh so your dad will be home in about six hours so shake your legs so they don't fall asleep um, I'll slide a few hot dogs under the door but otherwise homie Godspeed because I ain't about that life but I cannot say this to him because now I love him. I love him and I love his father and they're both depending on me. So I have to help out. So I go in the bathroom, I'm trying to be confident. I'm like, hey, you on that toilet, look at you. Um, so I totally help people with this same thing every day. So you are in such good hands and you have no reason to be nervous. So I'm going on and on. And he's like, kill the soliloquy and just help a brother out because it's burning my butt. So I do, I help him. Afterwards, he's happy because he's clean. I'm scarred. I should probably be in therapy for it now, but I manage. So I'm on my way out the door and he stops me and he says, Monica, you're a really good mom. Thank you. I felt like I was winning at life. So let me get this straight. Even though I murdered the entire cast and crew of Super Mario Brothers, even though I don't cook as well as your dad, even though I tell awesome stories, let's get that straight, but you don't see the value in them. I'm still a good mom. I was winning at life. I win, you lose. I was so happy. And I have to tell you, I've been happy ever since because me and his father have been married for almost two years now. And we did take that honeymoon in the Bahamas. And my five-year-old will be 10 next month on June 5th. And we are all bound together in love now. And the best part is I no longer think that kids are of the devil. Well, at least not my kids. <laughs> Monica Scholar, ladies and gentlemen. She is the author of the Belle Isle Heights thriller series. It's really, really good. And her first work of nonfiction is called Please Pardon My Dust. I'm Under Construction. How did you like Monica's story? How did it make you feel? Did it stir stuff up? Did you relate? Do you have your own stepmom stories that you can share? Well, we want to hear your impressions. Go to the iTunes store, put Twisted Tellers in the search box, and write a review. And tell a little story of your own. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more stories, please visit our website at www.twistedtellers.com. 
www.ncpsafari.org. And every third Friday, we do a live event at Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. The Secret Society Twisted Storytellers podcast is a production of WDET. The show is produced by Zach Rosen, sound designed and mixed by Sam Bobian, and I'm your host, Satori Shakur. And just remember, when you bring your secrets to light in the form of a story, they can heal, they can set you free. The music that you heard in today's podcast comes as a courtesy from our friends at Ghostly Songs. Confession. I used to hate asking for money. Who likes to ask for money? I, I was taught that was begging, but in this case, it is not. Because I figured out, I get to say what money is. Money is generosity and kindness and a bang for your buck. So if you want to have access to stories, stories from people you probably know, but if you want to get the wisdom of those stories into your life, just donate. All you have to do is just go to WDET.org. And if you got a couple bucks, send us a couple bucks. If you got a million bucks, we love that too. But go there and we thank you. We are grateful for any donation, any size that you can make. We just want to stay here and, and, and present these stories to you. Thank you.